Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a series in the book of 1 Corinthians called A Better Way. We're learning that the letter Paul wrote the church in Corinth shows us a better way to be God's people in this world. Thanks for joining us. Well, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. And if you're getting used to your Bible, it's in the last fourth of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to look at the first 11 verses and the last four verses of that chapter. If you don't have a Bible, but you'd like to look at a hard copy, follow along. There should be one in the seat rack nearby you there. And it's on page 931. We've got it listed up here on the screen in case you're turning to it. But we'd love to uh, look at this passage together. We're in a series called A Better Way. We've been saying every week that we've taught on this, that this letter that Paul wrote was to show us how to be God's people uh, in this world, a better way to be God's people in this world. And so as we think about this, today we're going to talk about the subject of, ready, spiritual gifts. That's what this chapter is about. Uh, We're going to come back to spiritual gifts again in the next couple chapters, but today we really want to focus on what Paul teaches about the spiritual gifts. So right out of the gates, though, let me just ask this question, because this is some of what he's doing. He's answering questions and trying to help the church at Corinth many years ago know what it's like when the Holy Spirit's really working in their church. What does it look like? Maybe over the years, you've heard when the Holy Spirit is supposedly working in someone's church, people are going crazy and doing nutty things. But, but here's the question, if you're following along, how can we tell when the Holy Spirit's working in our church? How can we tell when the Holy Spirit's working in our church? And if you're still following along, here's one of the answers that we see in the first three verses that we're going to look at today. He helps us know and embrace that Jesus is Lord. He helps us know, understand, and embrace that Jesus is Lord. And when it says that the Holy Spirit, only by the Holy Spirit can we say Jesus is Lord, it doesn't mean that someone who doesn't believe in that can say the phrase. What it means is, is that you and I can never say it with sincerity and conviction unless the Holy Spirit has made that clear to us, helped us understand that, and come to the place where we believe that. So Jesus is Lord is what the early Christians said in the face of the Roman Empire. The emperor of Rome, Caesar, made people say, Caesar is Lord. And so for the early Christians to have the courage to say, with all due respect, Jesus is Lord, was an incredible uh, indication that the Holy Spirit had gotten to them. He was working in their lives. And this is the same is true for us. But notice this, he also, he connects us, if you're following along, to Jesus' body and mission in the world. The Holy Spirit is the one that once we put our trust in Jesus as Lord, he connects us to Jesus' body and mission in the world. His body, his physical body in this world is the church, made up of everyday people like you and I that have met Jesus as Lord, and now he connects us to this larger body and his mission in the world. I don't know about you, but it means a lot to me to know that God wants us to know something in life that's bigger than ourselves, to be part of something that's not just me and Jesus, but about us and the Lord learning how to work with his mission, serve his mission in the world. 
And so as we think about this, next week, Steve's going to cover verses 12 through 26 that talk about this, being members of his body, understanding what that looks like and means. We'll look at that in more detail next week. But as we think about understanding spiritual gifts and being the church together today, what I want to talk to you is whenever we say spiritual gifts or we talk about the Holy Spirit working, it's really important that we have at least three distinctives understood in our minds. So if you wouldn't mind turning your message notes over to the back side, I've listed there these three distinctions. What the Bible calls the gift of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and the gifts from the Spirit. Now, while we're going to talk about the gifts from the Spirit, spiritual gifts later, right now I just want to make sure you know that the Bible, in several places, refers to the Holy Spirit as a gift. He's a person that God gives us as a gift. So, I've listed there that in Acts 2.38 and places like Acts 10, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as a gift. He's given the moment we as sinners place our faith in Jesus Christ, he comes to indwell us, to live in us, uniting us to Jesus forever. Jesus promised the coming of the Holy Spirit in chapters 14 and 15 and 16 of, chap- of John's gospel and also the first chapter of Acts. He called the Holy Spirit our helper, our advocate. We're baptized by the Holy Spirit one time, the moment we're saved, and he can never be taken away. But we need to be filled and controlled by him continually. One baptism, many fillings. We need to be continually filled by him. That means that he is the third person of the Trinity. He's the shyest member of the Trinity. He never draws attention to himself. Instead, he always points us to Jesus. If you're coming to know Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit is quietly working in your life. And so when we think about what he can do in our lives, he is a gift. I was interacting with a newer Christian in our church this past week, and they said this, I am so endlessly thankful that I have the Holy Spirit living in me now. I am too. The Holy Spirit is God. He's a person. He's not an it. And he can teach us how to follow Jesus. But notice this, that not only that, when he works in our life, the Bible says is that he produces the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. What is the fruit? Notice it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit. And when we see this here is that these are Christ-like character qualities that are developing in you and me. Remember, we talked about this. The goal in life is not to have an image of being a Christian. The goal is to have more and more the character of Jesus Christ in our lives. Well, what does that character look like? Well, here's the nine words. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the virtues that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives over time as we yield to him, as we cooperate with him, as we let him lead us. Now, here's the thing. You and I can have the Holy Spirit without being led by the Holy Spirit. We can have the Holy Spirit living in us without letting him fill us and control us. But when we do let him lead our lives, he produces this kind of fruit in our life. Now, that's not all. The Bible says is that he not only is that gracious and does that kind of good work in our lives, but when he comes to live in us, he brings spiritual gifts. 
Spiritual gifts, so gifts from the Spirit. All believers, now having the Holy Spirit, have also been given spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit. A gift from the Holy Spirit is a special skill or ability which enables each believer to contribute to the whole body of Christ with joy and effectiveness. As gifts, they cannot be earned. Our responsibility and privilege is to discover and exercise these gifts for the benefit of the church. And right below there, I've listed 22 of the gifts that are listed in the New Testament. Again, most writers say that this is not an exhaustive list. This is a suggestive list. These are some of the gifts that you may spot or see when you're around other believers and the Holy Spirit's working in their life. And I'm going to come back to that later in the message. So I invite you to turn your notes back over. And we're going to talk about understanding spiritual gifts in this passage here of 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, so before we do this, before we look at this, let me say two things. This week, I was talking with uh, a former elder of our church, someone who is greatly respected in our church. And as we were talking about this subject, they said to me something that I think maybe all of us need to hear today. They said, you know, I've walked with God for many years, but there have been different chapters in my life where I've wondered if the Holy Spirit is really living in me. If I really have gifts from the Holy Spirit, there's just times that I wonder. They were just being honest about the fact that all of us, all of us need this message today because we all struggle with times of insecurity. We all struggle with times where we wonder, me, even me, that the Holy Spirit would want to live in someone as unholy as me, as someone as flawed as me, And the good news is, yes, yes. And our God is the giver of life. He is generous, and he wants us to know a life with him, not that we deserve, but that he wants us to know because of how good he is. And so as we think about this message today, let's ask God to help us as we take it to heart. Now, God, the Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill me not just for my own benefit, but that I might be able to teach this subject of spiritual gifts in your power and with your skill. And I ask, Lord, that wherever someone is in this room, wherever they are on the spiritual map, that you would be gracious to them and that you would enable them to understand your plan and your mission in this world and how they can be part of it. And so we're asking, Lord, that you would do that so that we would glorify Jesus and we would build up one another for your sake and for the sake of the world that needs your hope. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so I'm going to read through, and you'll notice that verse 7 and verse 11 are listed there on the message notes. After I read verse 7 in the NIV there, I'm going to ask you to read it in the New Living Translation with me, and then we'll drop down later and read verse 11 together, okay? Here we go. Here's what Paul writes to the church at Corinth. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be in the dark about this. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, 
but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Would you read it with me in the gray box there in the New Living Translation? A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. Verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And I was going to let you read with me, and I kept going. Here we go. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and he distributes them just as he determines. Now, if you turn to verses 27 through 31. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Now, this last, this last verse or two, in the Greek language the New Testament's written in, you can set up questions that expect a yes answer or a no answer. All of these questions at the end of these last two verses expect a no answer. So... Read along with me. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And that passage there, that last sentence, is where we got the idea for this series title, A Better Way. Now I'll show you a better way, and in two weeks we're going to talk about what that better way is. But for right now, let me just talk to you about what this passage says about spiritual gifts. First, if you're following along, this is the issue, is that evidently some people are exalting one gift over all the other gifts. Evidently some people are exalting one gift over the other gifts. As we read on in chapters 13, chapter 14, we're going to learn that it was probably the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. They got so excited, those that had received this gift, they got so excited that they began to think that that was the gift to have. And they started saying to people, you don't have that gift, you're supposed to have that gift. And Paul wants to write and says, look, I don't want you operating uninformed anymore. I don't want you uh, operating as a church without understanding the way God works and how he's distributed these gifts. That is a misunderstanding that's confusing people all over the place. But it's easy, isn't it? When we get excited about a spiritual gift that God may have given us to think everybody needs this gift or this gift may be the most important. And I was trying to think of a way to illustrate this. So what I want to do is I want to show you two video clips back to back. And the first video clip 
is of an orchestra. I was trying to think of a picture. Have you ever seen an orchestra when they all play, even though they have different instruments, they all play together? Whether you like orchestra music or not, you have to admit, it is a wonder to behold when an orchestra all knows how to play together and make beautiful sounds. So I have this video clip of the Chicago Orchestra playing Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Just a small clip. Watch this. That's what happens when everyone is learning how to play their instrument and play together. But what if one of the people in the orchestra decides that they have the most important gift? What does that look like? Some of you have probably seen this Geico commercial, but I've just never been able to get out of my mind. Watch what happens. A triangle solo? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much money Sam and Joanna saved by switching to Geico. Ow! 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. This is what was going on in the church of Corinth. There were people that were thinking, it's all about me playing the triangle. And Paul goes, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not how an orchestra plays. Don't, don't, don't be uninformed about this. Learn how God thinks. And so, if you're following along, this is really important. The gifts of the Spirit without the fruit of the Spirit equals discord. When you and I use the gifts of the Spirit without the fruit of the Spirit, it equals discord. That means that if you and I decide that we can just take our gift and without letting the Holy Spirit also create in us the character, the way we use that gift, it's disaster. And it is discord. That orchestra did not sound the same as the first one because it doesn't work. And Paul is saying, if you're not careful, that is what's going to continue to happen there at Corinth. And that's never what Jesus dreamed as he was dying on the cross for his church. So if you're following along, the spirit passes out an amazing variety of spiritual gifts. Paul says, I just want you to remember this. When the Holy Spirit's passing out gifts, he passes out an amazing variety of spiritual gifts. Translated, don't reduce him down to a triangle. Yes, he made the triangle. And the triangle is part of it. But don't think that's all. Don't think everybody should be playing a triangle. Way, way more amazing variety. 
When I was younger, I worked in the produce department of a grocery store, and I remember after I came to know Jesus, I would walk through there at times and just go, the unbelievable, amazing variety of fruits and vegetables alone makes me worship Jesus, his creative ability. But he does the same thing with people, and he does the same thing with passing out spiritual gifts and abilities that you and I can play a role. We have an instrument to play, and there's a wide variety. And in the verses of eight through following, he lists a number of those gifts. He doesn't describe them. He doesn't explain them. He just says, look, I could just start naming gifts. There's so many different ones. And I've listed some of those on the back. We'll come back to that. Next thing I want you to see is that the spirit not only passes out an amazing variety of gifts, but these gifts work differently, yet God's at work in all of them. These gifts work differently, yet God's at work in all of them. Just like the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all have different functions and roles, yet they operate together in unity in order to do uh, what God wants to do in our lives. And so when we think about this, you may see somebody saying, well, my gift doesn't work like that, or my, my gift works out like this. And you may get confused and say, well, I must not have a gift. No, it's just they're different. But God's working in all of them. Even when we aren't always aware of it, like that guy I was telling you about. As he served, he didn't realize how much he was impacting people like me and other people. But God was working in all of them, and I'm so glad he used his gifts. Next, the Spirit gifts each one who's received Jesus as Lord. The Spirit gifts each one who's received Jesus as Lord. And let me just show you several things here. Paul has already told them that they have the spiritual gifts they need as a church. If you look up here, 1 Corinthians 1, 5 through 7, he says something like this. He says, through him, through Jesus Christ, God has enriched your church in every way. With all of your eloquent words and all your knowledge, this confirms what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does he mean? As a church, you have every spiritual gift you need to carry out his mission in the world with him. And so I am thankful that he's given our church family every spiritual gift we need. The question is, are we using it? Or are we, just imagine if the orchestra had a number of people sitting there with their instrument in their lap and they never picked it up and they never began to play or learn how to play it better, what would happen? That would not, that orchestra would be diminished. It would be less than what God can create it to be. But look at Romans 12, six through eight. If you would, here's another example of him talking about spiritual gifts. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so that's a beautiful thing. Notice that I said he gifts each one. Now this is what I've found sometimes as a pastor is people will go, well, he didn't give me one. And what I want to ask you to do is if you're tempted to continue to believe that lie and you're a follower of Christ, I want to ask you to abandon that today and say what God says about you. Is that you have been given at least one spiritual gift. You may not know what it is. You may be operating blindly, but they, he wants today that to stop. He wants you to know 
that you are part of the each one in the body of Christ. And so notice this, the Spirit gives these graces to build up Jesus' people. The Spirit gives these graces to build up Jesus' people, the church. Now, did you notice it says the grace earlier in Romans 12? Did you know that in the Greek language in which the New Testament's written, that when it uses the word gift, that word is charis. Charis is also translated grace. Grace is an undeserved gift. When God gives us grace, he gives us not what we deserve, but what he intends, his generosity. And so when you and I use our spiritual gifts, they're graces. That's why we should never walk around or or feel boastful or proud. We just go, these are things that were given to me, not because I'm so amazing, but because he is. And he wanted me to use this to grace other people's lives and to build them up. There's a network class we've taught, and I'm going to talk about it in just a little bit, but the network class, we always review every week. Now, why has God given us spiritual gifts? And then we all say this together, to glorify God and edify others. Edify means to build up or encourage, to glorify God and edify others. That's why. And the spiritual gifts help us know how to serve when we show up someplace or when we're walking through our daily life. How do I serve, Lord? And he says, through your spiritual gifts that I've given you. Notice the Spirit distributes these gifts as he determines best. The Spirit distributes these gifts as he determines best. If I've learned anything about the Lord is that he knows better than I do because he's got a better view of things than I do. I just think what a genius he is to think of this whole idea and then to distribute the way he does. And I marvel sometimes when I walk around this church and see different people serving either inside our building or somewhere in the community and watching the way that the Holy Spirit has distributed such a wide variety of gifts and people using them. It's an amazing thing. Look at 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11. Here's one of other Jesus' disciples, Peter, talking about spiritual gifts. God has given each of you, there it is again, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. One last line here is that when everyone uses their gifts together, it's a wonder. When people use their gifts without the fruit of the Spirit, it's discord and disaster. But when everyone, when everyone's taking this seriously and saying, okay, Lord, I'm listening, I'm understanding, and even though I'm just getting started, I'm going to throw it into play, I'm going to get involved. When you see a church where the Holy Spirit's working like that, even the watching world, even unbelievers begin to sit up and take notice. They go, something's happening God is at work among those ordinary people. They are understanding something. They sound beautiful like the music of the ninth symphony when an orchestra is playing it well. And it is music, music that the world desperately needs to hear. It needs to observe us being this kind of church that's not sitting on the sidelines, that's not leaving the instrument in our lap, that's not just thinking about ourselves and playing a triangle selfishly, but being a church that says, oh, what a God you are. 
teach me your ways, God. Teach me your ways. And so the question becomes, yes, Jeff, but how? Like what, like, what would this look like if I was to begin to move more in this direction than I already have? Well, I want to talk to you with the closing time we have of being the church together. And the first question I want to ask you, I'm asking myself, have I submitted, if you're following along, have I submitted my life to Jesus Christ and his mission? Have I submitted my life to Jesus Christ and his mission? Now, you know that you can never be born again or be a follower of Jesus Christ until you're ready to say, Jesus, you're Lord. And so the Bible says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And this idea is, is that at that very moment, the Holy Spirit not only helped you understand and come to that conviction, but he also then comes to live inside of you. You're born again. And when that happens, you're now able to live the rest of your life with Jesus as the Lord of your life. And that doesn't mean that we never have to resubmit. So here's my question. Can you point to any time in your life where the Holy Spirit was whispering to you and you knew it was the Holy Spirit, you knew it wasn't just bad pizza you had the night before, and he was saying, come on, submit to Jesus as Lord. And when he's done that, can you point to a time where you said, okay, I want to just plead with you, if you've been sensing the Holy Spirit whispering that to you, making Jesus real to you, I want to urge you to obey him. Just humbly submit your life to him. Because so many times we think we can figure out our lives better than he can. We think we know better. But the changing point comes when we finally humbly submit to him. And for those of us that have already, we can look back and say, I did that. That was the day my whole life was changed. For those of us, I don't know about you, but I still need to submit to the Lord Jesus every day. Freshly submit, sometimes many times throughout the day. And when I don't, people can tell the difference. But submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ is a posture that is life-changing, and it's the only way to become part of the orchestra in the right way. The second thing is, have I discovered my spiritual gifts for serving others? Have I discovered my spiritual gifts for serving others? So I just want to ask you, if someone stopped you after the service today and said, would you be able to say what your spiritual gifts are? Again, no one's going to do that, by the way, at least uh, that I've hired. <laughs> but what I want to say is, is that at least you know what your starting point is. And I don't say that to embarrass. I want to tell you a story. When I was 20 years old, you know, I'm a pastor's kid. When I was 20 years old, I had lunch with my dad one day, and he says to me, Jeff, what do you think your spiritual gifts are? I went, spiritual what? I, had, I didn't even know, I didn't even understand really what he was talking about. I occasionally heard some stuff, but it just sounded like I didn't understand it. And I said, well, I don't even know what they are. So I don't think so. And he said, well, and he, he was, we were eating and he kept chewing and he said, well, I don't know what all your gifts are. And I went, all my gifts? And he said, but um, I know I think I know one gift you have for sure. And I thought, tell me. 
And he said, you have the spiritual gift of encouragement. Have you ever noticed that when you write a note or you say something to somebody that a number of times people will come back to you and say, that really helped me. I was discouraged and I was losing heart and you helped me want to keep running the race. Or it came at just the right time when you shared that what you did, that Bible verse or that, that what you said to me. And I said, no, I guess I'd never really paid attention to that. He said, you should pay attention to that. Changed my whole life. I remember the next time I wrote a couple notes, I took them to the mailbox at the post office and I was getting ready to put them in the slot. And as I went to put them in the slot, I, I remember praying, Lord, if this is true, then use these notes however you want to to build up these people that matter to you and that you've placed on my heart. And I'm just going to trust that whatever result you want to have, it'll have. And it began to change me. Now, I want to just invite you to look at the back of your notes again. You know, again, those 22 gifts, there's administration, apostleship, craftsmanship, creative arts, discernment, Encouragement. See, again, that day, that day, if I was going down this list, that day, I circled that one for me. And clarity began to happen. Evangelism, faith, giving, healing, helps or helping, hospitality, knowledge, leadership, mercy, miracles, prophecy, shepherding, teaching, tongues, interpreting tongues, wisdom. Now, again, I just wonder, as you look at that list, would you be able to identify? Eventually, as I grew in my understanding of spiritual gifts, I eventually understood what my dad said that day, that I did have some kind of spiritual gift mix. Years ago, when Wendy's restaurant first came out, I think I was a teenager. There in Danville, Illinois, I was sitting one day at a table, and on that table, they had this little piece of paper that boasted that you could get a Wendy's burger 256 different ways. I think that was the math. I remember going, no way. I remember when they came out, they were these square hamburgers. So you could get a single, a double, or a triple. So they said, they said, well, you can get a single plain. That's one way. You can get a single with ketchup. That's another way. You can get a single with ketchup and mustard. That's another way. Or you can just get a single with mustard. And on and on it went. I remember thinking to myself, okay, okay, I'm getting the idea. These things, when you mix different combinations together, it has a different taste to it. And so when you think about how these mix together, so eventually I learned that I had encouragement, teaching, leadership, wisdom, and shepherding. And as I began to understand how those mix together and just said each day, God, show me how to use this gift mix that you've given me for your glory. Build up your people. It began to change me. My wife, my wife, to watch the way that God has given her some combination of helps, mercy and intercession it is unbelievable to watch that and it's changed just the way i interact with people this morning i sent a text to pastor eddie lowen over at west side because they're starting a new series and i said i'm teaching today on spiritual gifts and i just want you to know i see leadership teaching and wisdom in you brother and i'm so thankful for you and some of you are listening, you're going, yeah, well, you're a pastor, pastor's wife, pastor. 
What about those of us that aren't like Navy SEALs kind of people thing, Christians, whatever, as if we are, by the way. I am amazed at the way God has given so many of you different gifts. And the reason we teach the network class is because it's a class that not only helps you understand your spiritual gifts, but your God-given passion and also how he works through your particular personality. And what's great about the class is that at the end of the six weeks, you have an hour-long consultation with someone in our church who understands spiritual gifts and takes all of your homework and helps you walk out of that uh, consultation with at least two or three ideas of how to serve either inside or outside our church. Now, if you turn your notes back over, I want to just close by bringing a couple ideas home. First, let me just give the last line of the notes. Am I humbly using and developing his gifts of grace often? So have you discovered them? And and I'm going to talk to you in just a moment how you discover them. But also, if you have discovered them, are you using them and developing them? So just because I had this spiritual gift of encouragement didn't mean that I'd learned everything there was to learn about encouraging. Just because I may have the spiritual gift of teaching, you guys know on any given Sunday I haven't learned everything there is about teaching. But am I learning to get better and more and more where it becomes more part of me in a similar way for you? Sometimes at first it's kind of awkward. We don't necessarily, it takes time. It's a process. But so... Years ago, 1997, it wasn't that I had never taught on spiritual gifts before. I've seen a couple times as I look back in the last 34 years that I taught on spiritual gifts. But in 1997, I'm at a conference with another man from this church. And Pastor John Ortberg is teaching on this subject. And he says this. He says, pastors, based on what the Bible says about spiritual gifts... If you go your whole ministry and you never help people discover and deploy their spiritual gifts, that is pastoral malpractice. I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I don't want to be a pastor that practices malpractice that way. I don't want to be that. So we began in 1997 teaching the network class. I'm going to guesstimate that somewhere between eight or 900 people in our church over the years have taken this class. We hope every person does. Pastor Lee is currently teaching it now. And if you look inside your bulletin, the next date is January 16, 2019, when the class will begin again. I know that's a little bit of a gap. But in the meantime, do you realize what you could do if right there in your seat today, you began to pray and say, Lord... I know that in the early days, there were no tools, there were no classes like that. So would you show me what my spiritual gifts might be? Use someone else who understands spiritual gifts in our church family. Maybe have a conversation with them. Let me just look at this list and just pray over that and then kind of think about what things God's tended to lead me to do when there's opportunities to serve and just begin to pay attention to that, to learn sometimes just by doing something experimenting, saying, that's not it. Oh, I think this is it. But God wants to help us if your heart's in it to do it because we need every person in the orchestra picking up their instrument and playing. And the last story I want to tell you is that when I was out in Iowa, we had a lady in the church that had a mental capacity probably of a seven or eight-year-old. She was about 60. 
And so there were times that there was awkwardness or clumsiness in conversations with each other. And she didn't always understand everything, you know, that we would talk about, but she was something else. And I did her funeral. And at her funeral, I told a story that came back to me. Before I tell you what I told her at funeral, let me just tell you one moment how God worked through her in our church. I went out to Iowa in 1989 just to be the interim pastor for a few months. Then I was going to head back to seminary. And after I'd been there a couple months, they asked if I would permanently stay and be their pastor. Well, the problem is the Constitution said that they had to have an ordained pastor, and I was still finishing up my seminary. So they decided that they would present to the church that as long as I was in process of getting my ordination in my seminary, could I still stay and be the pastor? So there was lots of Q&A times, and there was, you could feel that some people were good about this idea. Other people went, oh, I don't know about this young guy. And so we were in these meetings, and so lots of questions were thrown at me one night, and the room was full, and I remember there was a pause. And Dorothy said... We love you, Jeff. <laughs> you caught her a pin drop. And I remember the force of that hit me so hard. Because the Holy Spirit was working in Dorothy. Well, at her funeral, I talked about the fact that sometimes it's hard to maybe understand how God works in different people, but there's a story that I'd heard about a little boy named Jamie who was in elementary school and because he also had a learning deficit and because he also had some social skills that at times didn't make other kids attracted to him or maybe feel as comfortable around him, his mother worried about him all the time. So one day, Jamie announces at breakfast that he's going to try out for the school play. He was going to audition that day. And his mother just got totally nervous. She thought this could be really, really, this could sink this kid if, if that turns out bad. And so she baked cookies after he left for school, was prayed up a storm, and then she picked him up after school, after the auditions were over. And Jamie comes running out to the car. He jumps in the car. He says, Mom, Mom, guess what? I got a part in the play. She said, tell me about it. She, he said, my part is to clap and cheer. Dorothy was given the part to play to clap and cheer and she played it well and our church was better because she was in it and because she understood that she had a part to play. We need you. If we're going to be the orchestra God meant for us to be in all of its fullness, in all of its beauty, we need every one of us growing in this so we thought, how can we make this practical? Because we know that the process of discovering your spiritual gift is sometimes difficult, messy. It's not necessarily, Jeff, great message, now I know. And we know that it involves asking questions. We know that it involves having conversations with some other trusted Christians. We know that it's practicing and trying some things out and just seeing. And the Holy Spirit uses that whole process and as amazing as it is, once you and I begin to operate more that way, oh, the beauty of it, something begins to happen. It's wow. Well, in our church, we have a number of different uh, people that we could have told any one of number of stories because God's doing some neat things in so many of you, so many of us. 
Well, we decided to share this story today of this couple in our church, Mike and Carol Dietrichson. And as you listen, I wonder if you won't be able to tell they have the gift of hospitality and helps and shepherding. And we are richer as a church because they've picked up their instrument and they're playing it to the glory of God. Watch this. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.